0: The Bible is a love letter from Jesus. The Bible cannot save you, but it points you to a Savior that is willing and anxious for you to give your life totally and completely to Him. The Bible tells you what happened in history and what God has done for those who are in the Bible and how He gave them victories and how He moved them forward in faith. The Bible has all kinds of stories about who God is and what he's done and then he says I'm the same God I change not so if I did it for them I can do it for you because this message today is for people who love Jesus People who are waiting for his return. People who want a love relationship with him. And if that's not you, you're in the wrong place today. You're in the wrong place today because that's exactly what I want to talk about. And the reason I asked Debbie to come up here is because when someone says to you, I love you, what, what's the first thing that that, you, that, that person reacts? Into? What do you see when they do that? What, what does she do? She smiled. And then she said, I love you too. And that's the response that we get all the time when we love each other, isn't it? In fact, I know, I know families that live together, six of them in a house, and I asked them, I said, do you ever tell each other that you love them? They said, well, we, they know we love them. They, 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 they got a roof over their head, they have food on the table, we take them where they go. We don't have to say, I love you, do we? Is, is I love you three words that are sanctioned, and we, it's, it's a secret now, and we don't tell each other how, how much we love them? Is that what happens? Because if it is, then something's wrong with our Christianity, because Christianity is a loving relationship. In fact, um, when we serve a God who has an infinite amount of love, in fact, he began his love by sending his son when the Bible says, for God so loved the world. And I usually stop right there, God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave, love is giving. You can't keep it to yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then it says that Jesus came, he was a creator, he was a redeemer, he's a sustainer, and he makes sure that we're okay because of his love for us. And this says that he loved us even while we were sinning. How do you love somebody when they're doing wrong? This is what I'm going to talk about today. I want to thank the Ypsilanti elders for inviting me. I appreciate this invitation, and I feel privileged to just be here. Um, I was looking for Sharon Smith, but I didn't see her today. So she's, she's, she's where? She's, she's back here? where is she? Stand up, Sharon. Oh, I see, I see your hat. I see your hat, girl. Listen, you know I want to tell you happy birthday. And, and, you know, and the reason I wanted to do that, Sharon and I share the same birthday. Sharon's birthday is tomorrow, but she has done such a good job of preparing the day, so when I came along, it was all ready for me. So, I just wanted to tell you happy birthday, and may God bless and keep you many, many more. Today, I want to talk about how God needs us to respond to his love. Well, before I do, let's bow our heads and ask God's blessings. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessing of this time. Lord, I know that you're moving today. I know that you're here with me and that you're going to speak through me. Lord, I back up and let you take over. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. I already told you this message is for those who who are trying to go to heaven, who believe that Jesus is coming soon and that you want to be ready. But tell me something. my, My message today is responding to God's love. And today, I want, to, I want to talk about seven ways that we respond to God's love. Now, understand this. When someone says, I love you, they're looking for a response. Mike, when you tell Crystal you love her, you're looking for her to say, I love you, too. Right? Isn't that what happens? Oh, wait a minute. Y'all don't, know, y'all don't understand what I'm saying. When someone says, I love you, they're looking for a response so they, so, so they can say, well, I love you, too. It's not saying, I'm in love with you. I love you. And men said to men, women said to men, women said to women, right? There's nobody you can't say, I love you too, isn't it? Oh, y'all looking at me strange. This section over here is rough. Y'all looking at me like, we're not saying that. But God is the God of love. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. If God is love and he does everything to show us how much we love him, should not we say, Lord, I love you too? Oh, woo, I'm going to say it again. Shouldn't we say, Lord, I love you too? When we don't say it, are we saying we don't love God? Oh, let me, let me get into some details because you all don't seem to understand what I'm saying. God is looking for us to respond To his love in fact jesus is coming back to save a people who have a love relationship with him but i'll say it again he's coming back for people who have a love relationship with him oh i better ask i better go back and ask some other questions then how many of you have ever been in love raise your hand if you've ever been in love I didn't say now, if you've ever been in love. I've been in love, but it was 40 years ago. I've been in love. Raise your hand. I want to see it. I want to see who I'm talking to. Okay, so the people that don't have your hand up, you have never been in love. Then I'm going to pray for you today before it's over. When you're in love. That person, that, that man or that woman, you can't get enough of being around them. You can't get enough of talking to them. You want to be with them. You want to, I've been on the phone. When I was at Oakwood, I had a girlfriend, and we would be on the phone all night long. The sun would come up, and i said, say, wait a minute, girl. This phone, this sun is coming up. And then she'd say, but let me just tell you this one last thing. Love means that you spend time with that person and you communicate with that person. When they say, I love you and I care about you and I want you to be around me, you reciprocate that, right? Because when somebody doesn't, then you think they don't care about you and they don't love you. Now imagine, put that in a setting where God is saying to you, I love you with an everlasting love. I loved you before you got here. I loved you when you were in the womb. And when you got here, I loved you even more. And I constantly work to show you how much I love you. Does that need a response? Oh, Lord, have mercy. We are struggling today. God wants a response to his love. Let me share this with you, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't respond to God's love, you can't make it. You can't make it because he's looking for people who are going to respond to his love. And because you respond to his love, you're going to be transformed into his likeness. And when you're transformed into his likeness, what's happening? What's happening? Let's, let's get, let me get into some details here. Um, why should we Why should we respond to God? Why? The Bible is very clear in 1 John 4.19. It says, he, <clears throat> we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So I can love God because he loves me. Now, we don't do that with each other, do we? We don't do that with each other, do we? If somebody loves you, I don't love you. Or when we were little in grade school, I like you. Do you like me? And You check the box, yes or no, right? Oh, Oh, y'all remember that. Okay, But God God is looking for us to respond to his love. We can be tricked, especially in this world, to believe God is either too busy to consider anything we have to offer him or that he is already the epitome of love and there is nothing we can do or nothing we can offer him that would make a difference for what he's done for us. But there are ways we can show our love to our Heavenly Father. And they don't require you to have a million dollars. And they don't require you to be a perfect Christian. There are seven things that I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes. And I'm sure that it's only going to be a few minutes because there are things that you already know. Today, I'm just going to remind you that God loves you and that he's looking for a response from you. So what I'm getting ready to tell you is something you already know. But sometimes as Christians, we need to be reminded of who God is and what He does. Because when it comes down to God, there's seven things I'm going to talk about. One is giving Him praise, praying, reading the Bible, loving those around you, tithing, fasting and then being hopeful. And let's begin with that first one. And you know what, I'm gonna tell you, I love the, the twins, whenever they're around, they, they do a praise and worship, and I was just glad to see you all, I've missed you all, I didn't know where you were. Now I know where you are, I'm gonna tell everybody up here. But you all did an excellent job. But just imagine when we praise God. So don't we, we, we lift up holy hands, right? And we can praise God in, under any circumstances, right? There's no reason why we can't praise God, is it? is it? Is there any reason why we can't? We, we praise him in good times, and we praise him in bad times, don't we? Oh, y'all looking at me strange. Maybe, do you know what, do you know what I'm saying when I say you, we praise God? We, we're giving him praise. Look at 2 Samuel 22, 50. It says, therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. Giving praise to God. Now understand this, folk. If I told you that when you got home from work that your house was on fire and that the car that you had in the garage blew up from the fire, that your dog was running from the fire and he got ran over by a dog, and that your children that were there were just taken to the hospital because of smoke inhalation, and you begin to say, Lord, thank you, Jesus, praise God. Y'all are going to be strange. We can't praise God under circumstances that are critical, that are emergency. Do we praise God in situations like that, do we? No, we don't. Y'all look at me and say, no, we don't praise God nothing like that. Why? Why can't we praise God under any circumstances? Why? Is there a limit or is there a restriction on praising God? Is it? No. So we praise him in good times. We praise him in bad times. We praise him in critical times. We praise him in challenging times. We we praise him in lethal times. Let me me, me tell you a story. Um, Years ago, when I was working for the state of Michigan, um, they had just given me a brand new vehicle, you know, the kind with the yellow seals on the side. And I was going out to work. And I got in the car. and I started up. Car wouldn't start. Brand new car. Brand new. So I went in the house, and I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm concerned that my brand-new car isn't starting. So I went, in the, I went in there, and I was listening to the radio, and the radio said, we just had a multi-car accident on I-96, on I and I was sitting there thinking, if I had left on time, I would be in that accident. So I went out to the car, and I put the key in, and it started right up. All I could say was, thank you, Jesus. We don't know what God is doing to save our lives. When that lady was praising God outside her home as it was burning and all of her neighbors were around looking at her like, what in the world? Sir? Shouldn't she be on the curb crying? But she was praising God and thanking him. For what? What was she thanking him for? y'all looking at me she was praising God because God is still God and he's still in control this world has nothing on God when he when he allows something to happen it's for you don't we believe and we know that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose do we still believe that we believe that don't we so no matter what happens if you if you go outside today and your car has been stolen Can you say praise the Lord? Especially if you have people coming over for a potluck and you have no other way to get there and everybody else that's been there is already gone, can you say, I thank you, Jesus, and I praise you? Can you say that? Well, that's not the first thing we think about, is it? That's not the first thing we think about, oh man, Lord, I don't know what's going on, I don't know why, you, but you don't know what God has in plan and why he allows things to happen to us because bad things happen to good people. But God is still God no matter who or what is happening to anybody. And he loves his children. No matter what we believe or what we think, giving God glory and giving Him praise takes us out of the situation that we're in and it puts us on a higher plane. So I'm in this situation. I'm standing outside with my house burning, but I'm not really here because I'm praising God For his goodness, and his blessings, and his mercy. Because without God, I don't have this house. Without God, I don't have that car that blew up. Without God, I don't have my children, my daughter. I don't have nothing without God. And if God gave it to me once, he can replace it, can't he? So what I should do is keep praising God. Lord, thank you, Jesus. But I know that's not the first thing we think about doing. Because that's not what we do, is it? But we we can show our love and appreciation to God by praising him. We're talking about responding to God's love. The one number one reason we can respond to God is by praising him, giving him praise, thanks, adoration under any circumstances, with anybody, in any place, at any time. And when we don't, are we saying, Lord, I don't appreciate you? Lord, you let my house burn up. I'm going to tell you the rest of that story before I leave. I'm going to tell you why, the other reason why that lady was, was uh, praising God. The next thing, praising God. The second thing is praying to God. Too often and too less, we negate prayer. Prayer is one of the most intimate associations we can have with God. Now let me get more specific. I'm talking about the secret prayer life. The time where you find your corner, your closet, your basement, the room where you get down and you say, Lord, this is the situation I'm in. And what can you do to help me? Do we have a secret prayer life? Do we have a place where we go where nobody's at, where we cut everything off and it's just God and I alone in a room or in a place where we can talk to God? We can pour our hearts out, Lord, I can tell you everything. Can't do that with everybody, can I? God never gossips. He doesn't tell anybody anything you say. Now the other part of that is when you get into a secret prayer life with God, he doesn't want you to leave after you tell him what's wrong with you. He wants you to stay there because he builds a bridge with you, and then he begins to share with you what you need to do to be saved. But if sometimes we get so caught up in time, and we say, "Lord, this is what I need, this is what I want," I know you already know, but here, and I'm saying, "I got to go." And God said, "Hold on, hold on, I got, I got something to tell you. We can talk later." Now you're laughing, but that's what we do. Most of the time, we pray on the run. Do you ever sit down? When, remember now, when you're in a love relationship, we talk about a love relationship. When you're in a love relationship, you spend time with that person. You talk to that person. You don't want to leave that person, right? Oh, remember now, I saw people had their hands up and said they wouldn't love. But that's what we do. It's not how we act. But with God, and God has an everlasting love, a love that won't end. It's constant. It's continual. Can't we ask God, thank you, man, can't we ask God, Lord, now that I've told you, can you share with me what I need so I can make it? First John 5, 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears. When we pray and ask God for it, he hears. If we pray anything according to his will, but we've got to know His will before we pray in His will. That brings us to the next point. We got praise, we got prayer. Now we're talking about studying the Bible, opening up the Word of God. The Bible is a love letter from Jesus. The Bible cannot save you, but it points you to a Savior that is willing and anxious for you to give your life totally. And completely to him. The Bible tells you what happened in history. And what God has done for those who are in the Bible. And how he gave them victories and how he moved them forward in faith. The Bible has all kinds of stories about who God is and what he's done. And then he says, I'm the same God. I change not. So if I did it for them, I can do it for you. Reading the Bible. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Romans 15, 4. Everything that's written in here was for our learning, It's for our growing, It's for our admonition, so that when we look back, we see what God has brought them, and we say, Lord, just like you brought them, I want you to bring me. And God says, all you have to do is step out in faith. Pray, praise, prayer, and reading the Bible. It's transformational. You can't study the Bible and not have it affect you. Praying, reading the Bible, praising. This next one is hard. This one is talking about loving those around you. Do we love everybody? Oh, thank you, my man over here. He said, No, I don't know anybody. He shook his head. Do we love all of God's creations? Do we? If I'm connected to the God of the universe and He loves everybody all the time, whether we're good or bad, whether we say wrong things or do wrong things, He loves us continually. And then he said, love each other. Do we love each other? The one response that lets God know that we're responding to his love is when we love each other. I don't know about you, but uh, love is something that we don't understand. Because we don't understand how Jesus left heaven to come down and and deal with a rebellious group of people who don't really care about much. A rebellious group of people who have turned their back on him. A rebellious group of people who hung him on the cross. But he loves us anyway. And then he says, "If if you love me, then you love each other. Is that right? Can we love each other? In John thirteen, thirty-four, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I has loved you, that you also love one another. This heart it's you know, it's easy to love people that love you, isn't it? But our true Christian character comes out when we're confronted by somebody who doesn't love us, by somebody who wants to afflict us with pain. Someone who talks about us or embarrasses us and makes us feel bad and shames us. It's hard to love that person, isn't it? When they're standing in front of you calling you names, that's not what your parents gave you. Who we really are comes out under conflict. And you know the devil's there saying, you don't have to take that. Get them. And you know what? Well, you know what most of us do? We get, that's right, come on, sister, we get them, you sure do. But that's not the way that Jesus wants. And we can't respond to his love getting his folk. I said his folk. He wants us to love each other. And then he wants us to accept love from other people. When you saw um, Elder Young come up here, and she didn't know what I was going to say. She, in fact, she was sitting there looking at, what are you going to do? And when I said, I love you, she smiled. And then she said, uh, okay, I-, I love you too. But how many times do we tell people that we love them, that they respond that way? Most people, and I understand this, folks. I'm not telling you stuff I don't do. I have a ministry. I have, a, I have what I call an elevator ministry. Anytime I'm in the elevator, I'm gonna to talk to the person there and I'm gonna tell them what a good God is. And they look at me and say, I mean, I was on, you know, I go all, all over the place all the time and I was in an elevator on the lower side, the lower east side of Detroit in a broken down, almost ghetto project. And I got on the elevator and it looked like two gangbangers got on with me. And these young guys, you know, had all the equipment changed, had all of it, And I said, you know what? I serve a God that is not afraid of anything, and so I started. I said, "Listen, man, God is so good. The sun, sh- sun is shining. We got a warm weather. God is really blessing us." Do you know both of those guys came alive and said, "Yes, God does bless us." And they, and I mean before he came on. But when you start talking about God, and the goodness of God, that you you're laughing, but you you didn't try it. I also have a I also have a grocery store ministry. I look for the the. Why are you laughing? Y'all don't go to the grocery store? I go to the grocery store and I look for the, the, the cashier that's the most fatigued. And I walk up to her and I say, I came to your line because you look like you were more conscientious than everybody. You're doing things so meticulous and so correctly. I just love the way you do it and I couldn't go anywhere else but here with you. She grinned. She said, I've been on my feet for the last 12 hours. And I'm tired I want to go home. And then before I left, she said, Mr., I don't know who you are, but can you come back every day and tell me the same thing? Because that's what happens. You know, folk, let me share something with you. Christians make a difference. And if we don't make a difference, who's going to make a difference? If we don't love people, if we don't encourage and support people, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? We're talking about responding to God's love loving those around us, loving people, loving those who need love. And right now, folk, there's so many people all over the place who need love. And there's so many people who don't care. I don't care about them. You go tell them. I'll never forget um, when my son was, my oldest son was a teenager. And you know, I grew up in a house where my father thought a man is a man is a man is a man. So you don't tell, you know, you don't tell your sons you love them because that's not what a man does. And when I grew up, the first thing I did is tell my sons I love them. Two of them. And as they got older, I kept saying, I love you. And, I, and I'd hug my sons. Because I don't want my daughter to see, I don't want my sons to see me treating my daughter any different than I treat my sons. So my son got a little embarrassed, said, Dad, you know, I'm, I got my friends over. You can't be, you know, hugging on me. And I said, I said oh, okay, dude, I'll fix this. He said, you what? I said, yeah, I'll fix it. So I hugged all his friends. <laughs> and you're laughing, but every time they came over for dinner, they walk in the door and hug me. These guys now, my son's 36. These guys are all in their 30s. They have families of their own. When they come to City Temple and they see me, guess what they do? They come up and hug me. I've had two of them parents come up to me and say, he came up and hugged you, Jessup. I said, I had, I, we, we, we've been doing this a long time. She said, he didn't even do that to us. All I'm saying is we need to love each other. We, we take for granted that people don't want us to love them, but people want love and acceptance greater than anything. The new commandment is you love one another. I'm going to move on quickly because I don't, want to, I don't want to delay this. We show God love when we show others love. As God shares countless times in the Bible and loving him means loving his creation. Those around us, just as he shows grace grace, Patience and mercy to all of mankind. We should extend the same to people in our lives and encourage them and Support them in their living if we don't do it Who's gonna do it? Loving each other now I've got three more and we're gonna wind this up The next one is something that I, I enjoyed my one of my friends that did this morning He took the tithing offering. I'm talking about tithing It's a tangible way that we respond to the love of God. And every time I give a tithe, and offering, I'm saying, Lord, the love that you give me and the provisions you make for me is greater than anything I can make out in the street. So guess what? Because you gave me all this and you've blessed me with this, then it's yours. Uh Uh-oh, it's getting quiet back here. I'm talking about giving an honest tithe and offering. To show that you're responding to God's love. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about anything other than... The, I'm not talking about the, the pastor needs a new suit or the church needs a, this or that. I'm talking about because Jesus loves me, I'm going to give. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. I'm not going to give begrudgingly. Because I, I, every time I do tithing offers at church, I say, listen, folks... If you don't want to give, don't give it. Don't give it because you just think you're obligated to. No, keep it. And when you're ready to give it, when you feel good about God, then come in and bring it. And they look at me like I'm crazy. But God wants you to be generous and beneficent in your giving. And And it is in direct response. And when you give, you're saying, Lord, me giving is greater than anything or your love is greater than anything I can give, because you can't beat God giving. is not that what we sing? We can't, so we have to give. Honor the Lord, Proverbs three nine and ten. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your bonds will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor the Lord, the first fruits. You respond to his love by giving next one is another hard one number six fasting bible says some things only come with fasting and prayer we don't want to deny ourselves anything i'm gonna say that again when we get hungry we don't want to deny ourselves anything We want to eat. Some of you, stomachs is growling right now because you're thinking about what you got to eat when you leave this place. So you're wondering when is he going to get finished because I got food in the warmer right now. My problem is this. When we take advantage of fasting, it's because there's a problem that we can't handle with just regular prayer. So some things come with fasting and praying, and it doesn't have to be food. I know a man who fasts from his phone. Whenever he has a fast, he said, I put my phone down. He says, I can't put it down long, but I put it down for three hours in the morning. I put it down for three hours in the afternoon, and I put it down for three hours in the evening. And I give those three-hour increments to God. And, and this phone is a tremendous distraction. So I put it away. I cut it off. And people say, I tried to get you. No, you can't get me now. And then the other thing that happens too when we fast, we get a big sign that says, I am fasting now. Don't ask me to have anything to eat. And then we look like we're saying, I'm fasting now. I'm fasting. But we aren't supposed to we aren't even supposed to tell anybody we're fasting. Which that fast is between you and God. And we're supposed to act like everything is fine because that's not something we broadcast unless we want some attention for our fasting. I can fast from desserts. I can fast from food, period. I can fast from anything that gets in my way of clearly seeing who Jesus is. And usually, fasting is something you deny yourself. I want this. I'm going to deny myself. Jesus says, those who follow him must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow him. And he says, deny yourself first. Do we ever deny ourselves? What about if you go to the store or go to a restaurant and you haven't eaten all day? And your stomach's been growling and you are hungry as a bear. And so when you walk in, you start doing this everything goes in a basket. And then the worst thing about it is some of those things don't make it home. You drive down the road. I know somebody who was driving home and they got two dozen donuts to take home to their, to their family. Neither one of those boxes made it home. And he had, to, he had to get out of the car and put in the trash before he went in so his wife wouldn't know that he just ate two dozen donuts. That's what I'm talking about. You, Y'all don't understand what I'm saying, do you? I'm talking about denying yourself and replacing what you're denying yourself with a spiritual influence that causes you to be closer to God so God can work out whatever concern you have. And then the other thing is, too, what about when somebody asks you, I'm doing a fast today. Will you fast with me? Do you know you can fast with people and not know what they want? If somebody says, yes, oh, will you fast for me? I say, sure, no problem. How long are you going to fast? Tell me what your fast is about. And if they don't tell me, if it's something that's very personal, very private, I'll say, Lord, whatever it is that's bothering them, fix it. You know, sometimes we get nosy at our church. We want to know what's wrong. Why is so-and-so in the hospital? Why is so-and-so want this? Why is we get nosy when we don't need to be. If God knows, why do you need to know? I, I just want to know. And I always tell them, ask God. (laughs) One of the things that God doesn't do, he doesn't tell at all. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place and to your Father who sees in secret, We'll reward you openly. Matthew 6, 17 and 18. When we fast, no one should know except God. Because usually when we fast, it's something critical. And we need more power than just regular prayer. And so we deny ourselves something. And we say, Lord, I need this now. Help me with this. I can't do this on my own. God always helps. Last one. Have hope, have hope. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Our hope says that I have confidence in God. Our hope says that I trust God. Our hope says that no matter what happens, I know God will provide. I know God will do whatever he can to do whatever I need for my good. But the best thing that we can hope for is the second coming. I can praise, prayer, Bible study, love each other, tithe, fast, and all of these things lead up to that hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Right now, I'm gonna ask you to do something for me. Those are the seven things. I want you to remember them, too. And I want you to stand with me right now. If you believe that you need to reclaim those seven things as you respond to God. So I want to have a prayer with you. Let's just bow our heads. Father in heaven, we've gone through seven things that let you know that we are responding to your love. Lord, some of those things we haven't done in a long time. Some of those things we're thinking about doing. Some of those things we don't even want to do. But we ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand that when we respond to your love, there are love and blessings that you are anxious to shed on us, to shower on us. So, Lord, please help us. We can't get to heaven on our own. You told us in your word that you can do all, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to sense how much we need to respond to you. We need to respond to you, Lord, through praises and thanksgiving and adoration. We need to respond to you, Lord, through our prayers, that, that secret communication, that secret prayer life that draws us close to you. Lord, we need to respond to you through Bible study, reading your word, reading your love letter, understanding who you are and what you can do and what you will do. Lord, we need to respond to you by loving each other. We need to respond to you through giving, through generous, benevolent giving. We need to respond to you, Lord, (laughs) through fasting and prayer when there is a need to. Then, Lord, when we do all that, we keep our hope high. Our hope is so high we can almost see Jesus bursting through the clouds. So help us, Lord. We can't do any of this on our own. We need you to take us through, grab us, grab our hands, and lead us through. Because when we do, we become transformed into your likeness. And that's what we want. We want to reveal Jesus to the world in our words, and our actions. And when we respond to you, we're coming to be more and more like you. So bless us and keep us, Lord, please. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I've got one more thing I'm going to share with you, and that is this. I don't know if we're ever going to meet like this again. If I go five more minutes, they're not going to ask me to come back again. But I want you to know that I love you. And if you didn't smile, I'm going to come and see you after this is over. And the reason I say that is that, ladies and gentlemen, those three words, I love you, mean so much to so many. I was talking to a young lady one time, and she was crying about her situation. She didn't have a job. She had a child, and she was trying to work out getting her child in school. She didn't have any money. I told her, I said, you know what? Jesus loves you, and so do I. I said, and here, I said, between Jesus and I, we're going to work this thing out. She stopped crying and began to smile. I said, you smiling because we, I said that? She said, no, I'm smiling because you said Jesus is going to do it. And you already told me he has a th- caliper of 1,000 hills. He's got the, the whole wor- wealth of the world in his hand. We need to be more loving and kind to each other. We need to say it. Don't, don't tell me why they should believe it because of the things that I do. But if we did that, then Jesus does everything for us. So we should constantly be responding to his love. Because his love doesn't fail. His love is exhaustless. His love doesn't get tired. His love goes on and on and on past the ever-ready battery. It's a real thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in a real battle with Satan. And if we don't respond to Jesus, then we're responding to someone else. There's only two forces in the universe. And if we don't respond to Jesus, we're responding to someone else. My admonition to you today is respond to Jesus. My admonition to you today is to love Jesus. My admonition to you today is to love each other and respond to Jesus in any way that will Help your spiritual growth. Respond to him. Listen, it's my pleasure to be here in Nipsilani Church. May God bless and keep you as a church family. And I am now done.